Amen. Good morning, Praise. How are you? Come on. Hopefully you guys are awake. I got some coffee in me, so I am. But hey, my name is Ryan Bastris. Excited to be here. There's my mug shot. My hair was a lot uh, shorter in that video or that picture, so it looks good. But anyways, excited to be here. And how cool is that video? Is Aaron here today? at all. Like he just stood us up both services, man. I was uh, in the first service seeing that video and I looked over at Matt and I was like, man, Aaron is like made for that kind of stuff. I don't even know him. And you just know he's made for that kind of stuff. I said in the first service, I'll say in the second service, he's probably out juggling somewhere. You know what I mean? (laughs) Developing props for next year. But man, I I see Aaron in worship sometimes and man, he's just air drumming, you know, it's just so cool. But anyways, guys, I'm Ryan and uh, me and my wife lead a ministry called Wake Ministries. And we have the, I have the privilege of traveling everywhere. It's been fun. I actually just got back from a camping trip with my family uh, we left Tuesday, me and my son, who's in over here. Everyone say, hey, Landon, what's up? But anyways, uh, he hates that, but I don't care. I'm the dad and I got the mic. Uh, but anyways, so, um, but we, uh, me and my son actually headed home last night with our pop-up trailer, uh, a camper, and uh, my wife and my daughter are still back uh, at the campsite with their family and uh, had a great time. It's been busy, a busy season for us. I was in New York till Monday, left Tuesday for camping. I'm here with you guys. And then this coming week, I leave for Mexico uh, to minister uh, several days down there. So be praying for me. I fly to Texas and then it's a four hour drive to where we're going to be ministering uh, next weekend. Excited about what God's going to do there. We're one of the ministries that Praise actually sows into monthly, and it's such a blessing because we're able to be a blessing in the community as well as nations, right? I'll be speaking uh, to um, a group of 300 pastors over Skype in Pakistan uh, coming up and get to equip them and speak on unity and just love on them. And our ministry gets to send money over there and bless them with food and a good word. Amen. So doing all kinds of stuff. So thank you for uh, being faithful to what God calls you to do biblically, uh, because then it goes so far uh, in into praise and, and through praise. Um, I want to release really quick something prophetic that I am sensing in my heart, two things in particular. And some of you, uh, you hear that word prophetic and you might be like, well, what in the world is prophetic? Like, what, what are you talking about? It's simply put God speaking to us, right, about something that he's going to establish or wants to establish. And I believe it's God speaking from our future to our present to give us a hope in our future presently. Um, how many of you know you were wired to hear God? You were designed to hear God. The fact that those who are in this room who are born again, you heard from God. That's what converted your heart and turned your heart to have an affection for his heart. Conviction is, is hearing God. And, and, and sometimes, man, when, when you get that conviction in your heart concerning something, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you to stir an affection and a desire for the things of God, where the things that you desire of self starts to get swallowed up in the desire and the affection for the things of the Lord. I wrote this down during worship. Prophecy is God speaking the here and now that's happening in his throne, and it's bringing it to your attention, and it's, sh- it's meant to shift your affection. Isn't that crazy? Like, I love this. Jesus says, the, the word of God says, as he is, so are we. And that's just not his life here on earth in ministry. 
That means we're seated with him in heavenly places. And as he is in heaven, we can reflect that on earth. So when God speaks to us prophetically, when God just speaks to us, he's not just giving us a hope in, a future, a hope in our future. He's, watch this, wanting to shift our affection towards what he wants us to reflect and represent on earth. The Bible says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus says, that's how we should pray. How many of you know we should know what's happening in heaven so we know what we're to bring to earth? So prophecy is God speaking the here and now that's happening in his throne and it's bringing it to your attention, shifting your affection. So anyways, that was good. You'll get it Tuesday. But anyways, I'm just messing with you, okay? You got to take my sense of humor, right? So um, anyways, the thing that, uh, two things that I heard prophetically that I wanted to release. Number one, this morning, I, I saw these scales. Uh, and when I talk about those scales, I'm talking about the old-fashioned scales, you know, with the plates on either side, right? And you add weight on either side and see how things balance out. Well, I saw that and I saw things being like, it was almost like a sense of something being added to one side, there being a tipping point, And I saw this scale falling off the cliff. It's good. It's a, this is a good word. Rolling down and growing in size as it rolled down the hill. And then that scale that had grown in size was established. Like it was just put, it, it like stopped and was put in place. And what I sense in my heart and what I sense for praise, and I want everyone to hear this. I released this in the first. I want to release it in the second. What I release now and what I'm sensing is that the time and the effort that you guys have been putting in things, individual ministries, individual lives, and as a whole with leadership and staff included, what I'm sensing in my heart is the prayer, the travail, the work that you guys have been putting into things have been adding to the scale that I saw. And it's just an image. It's just a metaphor right now, right? It's not like this scale that's going to start falling in our midst, okay? But I saw it tipping and this, this scale rolling off the cliff and it was just building momentum and acceleration and there was this ease and there was this peace and there was this holy hush and it was effortless once it went over that cliff. And what I'm sensing in my heart as a church corporately, and you can release, you can receive this personally is how many of you know that you can do something for the Lord and have peace, but it can still be stretching. Can I tell you something? God will always call you to something that's beyond your ego and your own effort. God, will, I got to say it over here. God will always call you to something that's beyond your ego and your own effort. So that's stretching y'all. That, Paul says it this way, man, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Because he had this war. The flesh was raging against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The Bible says the flesh is, watch this, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But I feel like there is this, these committed, you guys are committed to something, and you have a real heart for something. And I just saw you guys adding effort, and just prayer, and just devotion, and stewarding what God puts in front of you. And I feel like ease and comfort and peace is coming to ministries and lives and things are about ready that you've been adding attention to and effort towards.
favor of God is coming. The power of God is coming. And I feel like there, it's going to become effortless. It's going to become easy, like something rolling down a hill. And it's going to be established. And one of the things I see establishing, being established in the community and within the church is this righteousness and justice. Not that this church isn't righteous, not that you're not righteous, and not that you don't have a righteous home. But how many of you know the very thing the very objects that reflect the image of righteousness is what I believe God's talking about will be established, not by your own efforts alone, but by, watch, a convergence of you acting on the word and God releasing his power to do what you can't do without the power. I remember whenever I was outside of time, I had the right concept and I was outside of time, I tried to create a traveling ministry uh, before it was my time. And I failed miserably, got burned out quickly. And then whenever I held back and honored and served this church community where I was a pastor at, then there was a release date that God was all over. And I'm telling you something, there was effort, so to speak. There was work, there was travail, there was intercession. It was from a place of peace, but it was still stretching because the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And can I tell you something? That time around, man, things started to explode and our ministry started to get established um, because it was the timing of the Lord and the power of God uh, converging with my heart to just give myself away to what God wanted to do. And I feel like those in this room that have given their hearts to things because you know it's the right thing to do, but your affection is just to honor the Lord. These things are going to start building momentum, acceleration, ease, and a holy hush, and they're going to start being established. Amen? So, Lord, I just pray you bless that in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I'll get to the other one in just a minute, but for time's sake, we're going to jump right into the word today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're not going to read it right away, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts, the book of Acts, and we're going to go to chapter 26. How many of you thought I was going to Acts 2, the day of Pentecost? You were wrong. Now, just uh, Acts chapter 26, we're going to start at verse 12 and land at verse 18. So 12 to 18, but before I read this and get into the totality of my message content, I wanted to share something the Lord revealed to me during worship. God gives me image images. I taught a class on hearing the voice of God here and I believe hearing the voice of God is like just having an anointed imagination and anointed thought that's beyond your current level of education, knowledge, wisdom, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I'm in worship and I had a vision of God, I'm sorry, Jesus, who's a pure representation of love, pulling our hearts deeper into the Father's heart. And, and what I saw was people kneeling down and literally just flinging their hands up. And it was like, the, and I'm seeing now as we moved our hands like this, I hope you can see it. Okay. As we were doing this, there was things that were being scattered out of our hands and it was landing what I see now on the earth. And the thing that I heard the Lord say, or what, what I wrote down was, uh, may our projections, like the things that project or proceed from us, be established on his heart and come from his heart. Because how many of you know sometimes we project something that's not God? We reflect something that's not God. 
We have a selfish moment driven by a selfish desire and the projections that come forth from us are completely opposite of what the father would lead us to do, but we didn't consult his heart first. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. I believe we can take that verse and dive into it 16 different ways. But where I want to land real quick in the introduction of this message that don't even have a title yet because you haven't heard it is that I believe part of the reason why he's Paul saying be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer is watch this. God wants you to have a beautiful and we'll talk about this in a minute, a beautiful confronting conversation with the father so that you're built upon what he releases. So then your projections and what proceeds from you has been founded on an encounter with his heart and not selfish driven. The Bible says in Psalms 37 verse four, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So that means when you start delighting yourself in him, love, Jesus brings you into his heart and that is where you build your life and project and release and things should proceed from. Not a selfish desire, but a life that's laid down to his. We'll get into more of that in just a minute. Some of you are looking at me like, man, it's too early to be this confronting. He's about to get even more confronting. Because you know what I, I, I'm learning to do? I'm learning to put the desire to be popular on God's altar or the altar laid before God to where it's like, Lord, I don't want to live anymore. I want, to, I want you to live through me. And if I'm not popular or if my reputation be driven to the ground, I don't care. I want to honor and lift up your word and I want to lift up your heart. And I think sometimes the, the selfish part of us and the self-driven desire is what then determines what proceeds and is projected from us to make us look better and feel better. But man, when you are hidden in Christ and it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives through you, it's no longer about your reputation. We talk about wanting to drive stones into giants' heads and sometimes the stones need to be thrown at our head. We're the head of our own life and we got to stop that because we get ahead of God. We need to submit to the head, which is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, Acts 26, verse 12 through 18, and it says this, it says, while so engaged, that's a big thing right there. I'm, I'm reading out of the NASB. While so engaged, Paul's talking, he's on trial. He's sharing his testimony now about his road of Damascus experience in Acts chapter 9. While so engaged, I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Can you imagine being confronted by Jesus like this? 
I'm not here to preach judgment. I'm not here to be legalistic. I'm not here to be all religiously uptight. But can I tell you something? God will confront us like this. I love this. Jesus says to his disciples, if you gave this person a cup of water, you've given it to me. Why? But, but with, with Saul, who's Paul, he's saying, listen, what you've done to these people, you've done to me. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the person that's like celebrated because I've given the cup of water rather than being the one who persecutes. But he will confront areas in our life as well as celebrate areas in our life. Okay? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Verse 15, and I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Shoo. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose, I've appeared to you to appoint you a minister, a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also the things in which I will appear to you. How many of you know he's, a, he's having a confronting situation with Jesus right now? But I love this. Jesus is like, I'm going to confront you with more imagery that will shift your character continuously. This isn't all I'm going to show you. There's a lot of amazing things in me, Paul, I'm going to show you. And there's a lot of amazing things in you I need to expose and get out of you. Verse 17, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Aren't you glad you're sanctified? And all you have to do is believe in Jesus. Sanctified means, man, you're pure, you're restored back to the thing that God celebrates. But how many of you know sanctification isn't just a one time at the altar thing. It's a continued laid down life that produces a sanctified life. I'm just introducing something real quick. So Paul here is standing in front of king, uh, a king whose name is Agrippa. Agrippa, there's a reason I'm saying this, so just bear with me. His name in the Greek means hero-like. How many of you have ever been a hero of your own story? Did you ever have an imagination that just goes wild and you're always the rescuer? You're always the one making bank? You know what I mean? You're always the one that everyone's looking at and hoisting on their shoulders and celebrating. Come on, we're always a hero of our own story. And this king, man, I, I believe probably lived up to the meaning of his name, hero-like. I'm a hero. I'm king, right? Puffed up with pride, looking for servants to just serve his desire, feeling and acting like he has dominion over everybody, and in his own right, he did. His name meant hero-like. Paul, whose name was Saul. Do you know Saul and Paul pretty much mean the same thing, but Saul in the Greek means I love this, desire. Saul means desire. But you know what Paul's name actually meant? Paul's, but the, name, the name Paul, it means little or small. Here it is, Saul, who's Paul? Saul is living his life, rebelling against God, persecuting the church. He's on a horse. He's riding down the road of Damascus in Acts chapter 9. A big old light comes, and this is what he's recounting in Acts 26. God knocks him off of his high horse, so to speak, and they all fell to the ground. 
And in that moment that he had a confronting encounter and in a confronting conversation with Jesus on the road of Damascus, there was a conversion of character, a conversion of soul, a conversion of heart, where he went from self-serving his desires and making sure he pulled everyone in to serve his selfish desires to one who was humble, little, small, looking to serve and not be served. And it all came from a confronting, beautiful conversation and a confrontation encounter with Jesus. Building something here. This will keep flying in just a minute. So he went from Saul, desire, to taking on the other form of his name, Paul, which is little or small. He was taking on the role of a servant. See, before he was Paul and he had this confronting encounter with Jesus where he con Jesus converted his life to someone who served the church and loved the church and blessed the church, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And before the conversion of him being driven towards Jesus and wanting to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, Paul, who was Saul, made an idol out of himself and he wanted everyone to serve him and he himself laid down his metaphoric crown and worshiped himself. But then it's Paul who shifts perspective through Christ and says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He had an idol. He had set himself up as an idol, worshiping himself in a way, but God brought the idol down. He says in his testimony, we just all went to the ground. Whenever the father came through Christ and visited Paul on the road to Damascus, he didn't hide his idols like those in the Bible who wanted them and cherished them. He gave them up by giving his life up to Christ. Tonight, or today, I'm sorry, today, I'm used to preaching a lot of night services. Today, briefly, I just want to continue to talk and build a case towards this topic. And my son actually this morning is, we're wiping the sleepy crusties out of our eyes, said, you should call it this. I had a different title, but uh, he actually helped me title this, Self-Driven to Selfless Living. See, Paul, when he was Saul, desire all about me, he was selfish-driven or self driven. But whenever he got converted, he went to selfless living. And I just want to talk about that conversion for all of us, because we all need that. Let's not be self-righteous and be like, I got everything put together. Look at my resume. I believe this is a season that God, like he confronted Moses, is confronting us to take some things off and to put on Christ in certain areas of our life. He's raising the bar, so to speak. The things that have been running wild, he's wanting to tame. The things that have been deep-rooted and seeded in us that produce nothing but death, he wants to rip out of us. And he wants us to have a heart that beats and desires and presses towards the mark that we're all called to, and that's to establish righteousness and justice and Christ in his kingdom on this earth. And you can't do that unless you become selfless. Selfish driven, you build a kingdom for yourself. 
selfish driven, selfless driven. You say, Lord, it's all about your kingdom come and your will be done. I want to give a cup in your name and not be the one that persecutes you through someone else. You guys okay? You, you're going to love me still, I hope. This stuff isn't fun to preach, but I believe God is raising the bar because he's surely doing it for me. Because, like, listen, we need more transparency and vulnerability in the church. The first service, and I know she meant it. It was real. I am not saying it wasn't. Heather spoke beautifully and said, man, it is such an honor to worship with you guys today. I'm so looking forward to worship, whatever. And I looked at Matt, and I said, man, I said, There's, I'm waiting for a worship leader to be like, you know what? I don't want to worship today. But I'll worship until I want to. I heard a preacher say that transparency, you let people know about your wound. Vulnerability, you let someone touch the wound. It's not until you get vulnerable and real where God can swoop and touch your heart. Mm. See, Paul had this confronting conversation that brought life-changing conversion in his life. And this is what I wrote down. Pure confrontation should always aim for pure and holy conversion. I've been having some confronting conversations. How many of you have ever had confronting conversations with people? And I'm, okay, I didn't go black this time. Earlier, I got too close and messed the camera people up. And some of them are like, I never had to move so much. I'm a mover. <laughs> Sorry. Or it's going to give you something to do, bro. But anyways, um, just really quick, I, I, uh, I don't like confronting conversations. I don't like having conversations that confront certain things, but it produces life if your aim is for pure and holy conversion. Jesus has been having confronting conversations with me. I, I had one just today, knowing what I was going to be preaching on. I'm just laying some stuff out here real quick. I'm driving down the road, and I know what I'm preaching, getting ready to preach, and it's about this, and obviously, and, and I'm trying to find a song to worship to with my son, and he had different plans, but I was like, no, we're going to worship. And so I'm trying to find a worship song, and the song that was appealing was Jaira. Remember that song, Jaira, from Elevation? I love that. He's more than enough, right? And the Lord started confronting me on how selfish and envious I've been of other people and their materials, where like what he, like, like that he's not enough. And like what I have in family and, and, and material things, like that's not enough. Like, Lord, you bless me, but like you're blessing them. I want like that kind of blessing. And the Lord was confronting my heart and confronting my selfishness and confronting that envious spirit that sometimes grips my heart and causes me to shoot for another mark to be materialized that's outside of what we should really be building. And it was, I, I had a conversation with Landon. I was like, man, we got to be thankful, man. We got such a blessing here. And I'm laying things out for him because it was a fresh conversion through a pure conversation that was confronting. But God confronted me and had this conversation with me today because he had watched this holy, pure conversion of mind and heart in mind. 
God's not always going to come to you and tell you how great you are. He's going to come to you and say how better you could be. Well, I don't believe that. He's a God of grace. But he corrects those that he loves. If there wasn't, watch this. If you didn't need to become better, there would be no room for correction and that wouldn't be in the Bible. I love you. I'm not being mean. I'm, I'm, I'm exposing myself today, y'all. He's been, he's been having conversations with me like this. Like, Ryan, I want you to start speaking out of what has humbled you and what humbles you. Because listen, guys, it would have been real easy for me to go camping all week, and I was going to do this, but God changed my mind. I was going to just pull from a message that I had, and out of selfishness, say, like, man, this is going to hit. It's three points. It's got a poem. It's got stories. It's going to be fun. They might even throw a little extra in the offering basket. That part was a joke. But anyways, <laughs> some, of you, some of you are like, come on, June, let's go. I knew those preachers are selfish. <laughs> I was joking that last part. But seriously, I could have just preached what I preached last week in New York. It hit, man. Someone in the service drew all this art about my message, man. It was cool. I don't even know why, but he drew a panda in his drawing. I don't, I didn't even talk about a panda. But anyways, like it would hit. It inspired the creative arts of this guy to draw stuff. That would have been selfish of me. And what the Lord has been teaching me is, Ryan, I want you to speak out of what humbles you. Can I tell you something? This is what humbles me. Something that I get so hot and so fresh metaphorically that if you would put butter to it, it would just seep in. You would have to add more. Do you ever get hot toast and you try to put butter on it and it disappears? It's there, but it disappears. You need more, at least my opinion. And he started confronting me. He's like, Ryan, I want you to preach what humbles you. This humbles me. And he says, I want you to preach on what has humbled you. This kind of stuff has humbled me. Confronting conversations that revealed to me I don't have it all together. He's been, he's been two more. He's been confronting me on this. Be a unique voice. I've been trying to mimic others, like watching like how to write a good sermon and everything. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I have enough of those voices. I need you to be unique. Well, Lord, some people aren't going to be able to follow me, and some people aren't going to like me. Wah, wah. Are you here to establish your kingdom or mine? See, we need to watch this. Lay our need and our drive and our desire to be known and dominant. We need to put that in the guillotine, so to speak, and let God cut the head off of it. That's why I said some stones need to be directed to our head, not Goliath's. This is passion. I'm not being mean. Another one, y'all. I was camping this past weekend. Like I said, my father-in-law and mother-in-law didn't come till Friday. Till today. It's hot, y'all. Like the hottest day they decide to come. 94, 95 degrees. Who knows what the heat index is? I didn't have reception. Long story short, they're coming at a certain time. I'm walking with my kids, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just going to go extra long while we walk by the creek because I don't want to set up. I had a Saul moment, desire, selfish desire. I don't want to set up. He can set up himself. I had to set up. He needs to set up by himself. Sometimes I don't even like him. You know, just like, that's a joke. Love you. But anyways... 
but I was being selfish. But then the Lord started dealing with me. And I had a Paul moment. I became little and small. And I went and I sat up in the heat with this guy. Sweat dripping all over the place. Why? Because I had a confronting conversation with the Lord. That converted my heart in that moment to not be selfish. See, what God does in these confronting moments is, and what he's doing in my life is he's building my life on the rock where I'm not moved back and forth on, uh, on uh, certain matters because I am not double-minded, but my mind has been founded on the rock in single mind of thinking. See, I, I go from Paul to Saul all the time, like flesh and spirit. <laughs> And there's the Lord's confronting things to actually settle that and keep me in the spirit, so to speak. Be led by the spirit. Be led by Christ. Someone say this with me. Say you, him, them. See, with you, because what? You plus him equals them. Meaning you mixed with him where it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives through you. There's a place where you die so he and his desires can live, where it blesses him and it blesses them. So the you part of this, though, before him. There's a selfish identity. I'm, I'm sharing some of my selfish desires, and I'm not saying this all applies to you. It speaks of Paul or Saul, but I think it speaks of a lot of us sometimes. Paul, and I believe us at times, watch, Paul was personally invested to where the one and the ones that he should have been acknowledging and considering gets lost in the depths of his selfishness. He is all about him and all about his desires considering and acknowledging other people's desires he's so caught up and sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves and how people should help us we got kind of get startled because we don't we didn't even know they came in someone else came in the room so we're caught up in us so let me say that again personally paul was and sometimes we're personally invested to where the one and the ones we should be acknowledging and considering gets lost in the depths of our selfishness have you ever been so focused on you you have forgotten to acknowledge the maybe the thoughts or needs or desires of somebody else or maybe even the lesson that someone could share, but you are so consumed by you know it all and this is what I need that you don't even humble yourself and stop and let somebody share something with you. Do you know one of the biggest challenges for me is to be corrected or to have a survey and someone tell me what I did wrong? I did that for the first time in the six-week course that I did here and it terrified me. I sent a survey out at the end of the class for people to examine those six weeks terrified me but it was an act of humility little and small i acted like paul and i didn't want to my selfish saul desire was like just who cares what they think being honest i didn't want melissa to send it out but she did anyways no <laughs> We got them back and they were good, but there was some corrections and I didn't like it, but I liked it. I humbled myself to acknowledge the other person in the room. 
and it's going to make me better for the next course. Watch. Selfish identity, being driven, tossed and thrown by the waves of personal achievement and consumption and triumph where you don't need to do where what you need to do is, is all about satisfying your personal cravings and consumption and triumph. And it's all about satisfying that craving within and you're never looking and acknowledging others and wanting them to succeed and triumph. That's a selfish identity. Selfish identity can be assisting others or not even the slightest concern. People are just seen as objects to assist your personal desires. People are stepping stones to achieve your assignment and merit. Here's some that are a little more real and can be caught. Come in the church and wondering how others are to meet your list of expectations rather than saying, where can I sign up to help? No one paid me to say this. To be more of a lover of self and what others can do than what you can do for, uh, uh, to be a reflection of him. That's a selfish ide identity. Now someone say him again. Because that was Paul and that can be us until he confronts us. But then him, his light was brighter than the sun. Paul got knocked off of his high horse. Paul didn't stand in a line to get prayer. He didn't go through a religious ritual. Can I tell you something? Your actions don't beckon him. His affection draws him to you. He didn't stand in a line asking someone to pray for him. He's just going about his selfishness and God reached him. I was just up in New York. I tried to go into a room to pray and speak into a situation with a leader, with the pastor. And the other pastor told me there was a line of people standing outside the door looking for a word, looking for me, looking for prayer. Because they know I prophesy. They didn't, Paul didn't do that. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I, I just, that's what happened. Paul didn't stand in that line. God just reached him because his actions didn't beckon God. God's affection drew him to Paul. Man, I want to be in that place of humility, little and small, where people's actions don't beckon me. Or I don't deflect them because of their actions, but I'm actually drawn to them. Because of compassion and love. The Bible says he was moved with compassion towards them. And he healed the sick. Are you guys okay? 28 minutes into the sermon. I won't be much longer. Watch this. Grace came to him. And I want to be filled with grace where I come to others. But see, when we're big Saul, when we're Saul, it's about people coming to us. I want to be drawn to others. We'll talk about the how in just a minute, okay? Hold tight. See, Paul, before Christ, was discontent and, content, watch, and content-driven. But then Paul found contentment in the contents of Jesus. Paul went from being a sort of convict to convicted, persuaded, and fully convinced. And that was by Jesus and Jesus alone. See, he went from a shallow living to a depth of living, and he shared that depth freely to the church that he once persecuted. That's the you and him. And you can even add equals them. He was pulled from the shallows, but when Christ came, he pulled him from, watch, pulled him into the depths of Christ where he would never thirst again, looking to be satisfied in shallow living. He went into depth, 
Can I tell you something? I, I, I watched this story not too long ago. A guy's in this like glass type of submarine and he's going deeper and he's showing people that color changes when you hit a certain depth because of the, you start losing the sun. His orange Gatorade top of the bottle was orange and it turned brown at a certain depth. Paul was so shallow, Saul was so shallow persecuting the church, but out of depth in Christ, he started blessing the church because he reached a certain depth, Christ, where he changed. He was pulled into depth. See, things out in the deep don't put, I, I was having a conversation with this lady and, and they were at the beach recently and she says, man, I don't like the shallow end. I like going out in the deep. She's like, I like going out in the deep, she says, because that's where the waves aren't. They're not there. And she says, you don't get knocked over and pushed and hurt and stuff like that. And the Lord gave me this point that I want to share with you really quick. Things out in the deep. When I talk about deep, I'm talking about those things in Christ that you give your life to. That can satisfy and do satisfy and only satisfy. Things out in the deep don't push you over or hurt you as bad. Depth where it don't hurt. Great calm, the further and the deeper things get. When you go further out and the deeper you get, it don't, it's, it's calmer. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be tossed to and fro by the selfish desires or the opposition in life. I want to be solid in the things of Christ. And that only happens, that only happens when you root yourself in the depths of Jesus. Watch this. Shallow reveals things easily, like how messy a thing could be. Or you can find shells that rep represent the home of something that once lived there. But can I tell you something? The things of substance is in depth. How many of you have ever collected seashells uh, uh, sea uh, uh, that are right there in the shallow and they get washed up into the beach? They're a representation of what a substance that once lived in it. You can collect them and they're pretty and maybe even make a necklace out of them, but there's no substance. You can't live off of them. Too many people, because they're selfish driven, are just looking for temporary encouragement, enlightenment, excitement, and it's pretty for a moment, but eventually you're going to put it into your uh, box and you're going to forget about it. But man, God wants to bring us into him through humility, where he's exalted in our lives, where he has confronting conversations with us, where we pull from it, anchor into it, project from it, because those are the things of true depth and substance that will bring weight, amen? And this is where pa Paul found himself. Paul shifted so much and anchored into Christ so much that in Acts 26, he's not standing in front of King Agrippa, and I'm almost done. He didn't stand in front of King Agrippa all cocky and saying, hey, you're here to persecute me, throw me in the prison, you're wrongfully accusing me, here's what I did right. No, he actually starts out his testimony by thanking King Agrippa for giving him the opportunity to do this. That's Paul. Saul would have been like, where's the knife? I'm going to cut him. <laughs> I want to give an example, and I'll give some points, and we're going to get off of this. Not too long ago, and I don't want to get into great detail because of the sensitivity of the situation, but the Lord spoke to me. Time out. The Lord just said something to me. I'm 33 minutes into a message, and some of you are looking at your clocks. 
if you want depth and you want substance that helps you stand and life don't hurt as much, you can't rush the voice of God. Take time to sharpen your blade. Or don't complain about having a dull one in battle. Sorry, but not. Here's an example. I, not too long ago, I was selfish, man. There was a person that I knew. It rocked a community, not this community. rocked a community. This person fell. Sin fell. And instead of me mourning a loss of a saint, instead of mourning spiritual death, I got angry. Frustrated at this person. Took it personal. Then this person starts having a glimmer of redemption and reconciliation. And then I still get carnal and I'm still like Saul and I'm persecuting him with my mouth, with my mouth and with my faults. Well, what, what does he think now? He's just going to be promoted back to a, a platform and he's just, oh, you got, you know, I was being mean. You ever have a boneheaded mean moment where you're just like, who do they think they are? And that's what I was like, man. I was just like, who do they think they are? Selfish, man. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord started telling me how you mourn physical death and would long to have that person come back to life that you personally lost. He says, Ryan, why don't you mourn the spiritual death of a brother? And why not long and intercede for a redemption and a reconciliation and a resurrection? I'm getting ready to preach in New Hampshire when he's telling me this. He says, why don't you, what was he doing, y'all? He was speaking to me and telling me, you need to stop being a Saul and serving your own desire and talking about and thinking about how this personally hurts you. And how could he do it to his wife? And how could he do it to his kids and actually fall down and say, Lord, let him repent. Get over yourself and stand in the gap and pray. But no, we're selfish driven. I'm sorry, I'm yelling, but I feel the passion of the Lord. Instead of extending a hand and giving a cup to a brother, we pull it back and persecute them. Do you know you're persecuting Jesus? Changed my heart and I wrote this to him. I said, hey man, this will be super random because it was. I didn't talk to him much, mad at him, and I felt justified. I said, but I need to send this. God gave me this revelation this morning. It was about how we mourn the physical death of those who we know personally and how we wish they would just come back to life. God's cried to his church as we would, watch this, more, like, mourn the death uh, the works of death and the spiritual death of people. He wants us to have a love that mourns the death, the spiritual death of saints who have chose death or sin, where we long for them to come back. I want to apologize to you that when you made some choices, I was frustrated and angry at you. And still, instead of mourning your loss and crying out that you would come back to life, so to speak, I rejoice in this resurrection you've experienced and are experiencing. Please continue to embrace the process of healing and strengthening. I rejoice with you everything that comes back to life. Love you, my friend. That was a Saul to a Paul moment where I got little. You guys okay with me right now? 
reflections of a selfless one is one that goes low and is willing for personal subtraction to amplify Christ's request and bring addition to others. One who is willing, selfless, one who is willing to be stretched and extended beyond current comfort levels so others can be comforted. One who imparts what they desire but don't require. Did you hear that? You impart something to someone, but you don't desire the same, back in, the same thing back. One satisfied with sweet, well, I'm sorry, one satisfied with sweat on their own brow, but the comfort levels of their neighbor are fitting for their needs. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And as I wrap this up, this is what I felt like the Lord wanted me to come to the conclusion of for you guys today is to reflect this. One must bridge the gap, cross over from self to selflessness, and then burn the bridge. Bridge the gap, cross the bridge from self to selflessness, and then burn the bridge. So we're not tossed back to and fro because we're a double-minded person, but we're established and projecting the visitations of his heart. But how? Real quick. You guys good? 38 minutes. I'm... You can't count prophecy against me, okay? Number one, how? Put some thought into it. You might be like, what? When was the last time you thought about what Christ did and you lined that up with your own actions? Did you think about it? There's a video out there of this comedian who dresses up into a certain thing. He goes to a random stranger and starts saying, would you look at that? Would you look at that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Would you look at it? Look at it. Look at that. And it's annoying but funny as all get out. I feel like Christ is saying that. And he's okay with creating annoyance in your heart until you actually look at it. When was the last time you actually looked at it? You know, my actions haven't been the best lately. Listen, one of the things that will humble you from a Saul to a Paul is, 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 is pregnancy. I'm just going to be vulnerable, open, and transparent, and I'll keep it PG. But can I tell you something? Men can get so selfish in pregnancy. And what I mean by that is, well, what about me? And you're just mean, and I get like that. And when my wife was pregnant with our two-year-old daughter who is an absolute princess, and I'm not just wrapped around her finger, I'm wrapped around everything. All she has to do is look at me. We, we taught her, and I don't know why I taught her, but I'll look at her and I'll be like, just go up to mommy, baby, please. And she'll go, please, and dude, you melt, done. Here's another candy bar, you know what I'm saying? And soda on top of it, go for it, girl. Okay, you just said please. But my wife is pregnant with my, my um two-year-old daughter, and, and I'm not being weird, but just hear my heart. Can I just get real, real quick? You just get selfish sometimes, and you're like, well, you're just mean, and you're hormonal. Do not say that when they're pregnant, but you are just messing up my day, and I got needs, and, and, and who cares? Like, you're carrying my baby. Like, I'm a man. Look at me, and you take on that selfish identity until you have a con confronting conversation that brings conversion. And the Lord spoke to me and said, don't ask for those things. And I'll leave it at that. Well, I'm a man. I got, that's Saul. Paul, little one. Hey, baby, what can I do to serve you? 
what happened was he brought my thoughts to it. I, I started thinking about it. You know, I'm kind of a selfish jerk right now. <laughs> but see, we, we resist those thoughts because we don't want to have those confronting things happen. I'm almost done. Number two, militant choices that lead to disciplined lives. When was the last time you thought of a good choice you could make that would form a disciplined lifestyle in that area? I thought about it with my wife, made a choice, not easy, made a choice, and it led to a disciplined life. Disciplined is operating outside of the perimeter of comfortable to serve a higher purpose that surpasses the temporary thrill or selfish ambition. I'll I'll say that again because it's good. Discipline is operating outside of the perimeter of comfortable to serve a higher purpose that surpasses a temporary thrill or selfish ambition. Number three, ask for conviction. When was the last time you did, like, we wait for conviction? When was the last time you're like, God, I want conviction? When's the last time you asked for a conviction? Some of you are like, well, doesn't just conviction come when you're doing something wrong? I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to ask for it. Those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And I know there's a lot of us who are saved in this room. And if you're not, man, go to that room and say, I want Jesus. But man, if you're saved, you're filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit wants to lead you into all things that pertain to life and godliness. And he does that through conviction and a whisper that will convict your heart. Last one, put yourself in the crosshairs like David. David in Psalms 139 says, search me, Lord. And and that's kind of putting the thought into it and asking for conviction. But it's saying, when was the last time you're like, expose what needs to be exposed and then let me think about it. And then Lord, help me to make a righteous choice, a little one, a small one choice to serve you that blesses them. You plus him equals serving him and blessing them. Guys, as you stand, just stand with me. We're done. Stand with me. I can't tell you I serve in so many areas. But I feel like we sometimes hide behind what we are doing. And we think serving is reduced to a specific thing. Like, well, I do this at church. I'm not even talking about church. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about so much, man. Serving the plans of the Lord, man, with fresh zeal and passion where your pursuit don't dwindle, it intensifies. Guys, I I preached my heart out last week, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I preached my heart out last week. Multiple services, sleepless nights, early mornings. But I know I had to get home on Monday early, early, because my wife needed me to mow grass and pull the trailer down and get ready for camping. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I got a lot wrong. I talked about some of it. I went to bed serving pastors late. 12 a.m., 1 a.m., finally get into the bed. 1 a.m., Monday morning. I'm up at 4.45 in the morning to drive five-ish hours back home and jump right into grocery shopping and mowing the grass and pulling the trailer down and getting ready for camping. 
And I could just showcase that and be like, whoa, look at this. I'm talking about God's after the small foxes that spoil the vine. There's still areas where we need to put off the former conversation and put on Christ. Jesus, search us. Make us more like you. Let us pick up a towel and host your plans and your desires well. And let us host and love and honor people well. God, you said to, through Jesus that you met with Paul to make him a minister and to make him a witness, which means a servant and one who's laid their life down as a martyr. Let me be that kind of witness. Let me be that kind of servant here at Praise, in my home, in my ministry, and in my life. Lord, I bless everyone in this room and I pray you stir them up to say, Lord, I'm going to put some thought to it. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to ask for conviction. I'm going to repent. There's so many points we could have made on how to become more of selfless lifestyle. But Lord, I pray that you just examine our hearts and show us how we can become a better servant. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. I'll be at the front if you need any personal prayer or the ministry room will be available. God bless you. Love you. We thank you for watching with us. At Praise, our mission is to inspire, challenge, and transform people for generations to come. And we hope today's message can do just that. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about Praise, email us at info at praiseyork.com. If you'd like to support Praise financially, you can visit praiseyork.com slash give. To stay up to date with sermons, events, and changes at Praise, make sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel.